Miami-Dade County is partnering with you to help keep our community safe from COVID-19 now and in the future. Do your part by getting your booster, staying home if you're sick, and getting tested if you think you have symptoms. We'll keep doing our part to protect our children's education and ensure testing, vaccines, and boosters are available for all so that our entire community continues to thrive. It's our best plan. For more information, visit miamidade.gov coronavirus. With the women's swimming coach at the University of Miami on our next episode of Behind the U, Andy Kershaw is our guest. And uh, Andy, I appreciate you taking the time. Well, yeah, this is great. I'm excited to do this. Appreciate you having me. Shout out to all the Canes fans out there t- tuning in. Looking forward to it. All right. So uh, our, our mutual friend, Mr. Gorby, uh, who set this up, Cam Gorby, who uh, just does an outstanding job representing uh, the University of Miami and making sure uh, all of these dots get connected. He told me uh, or, that uh, you're like a Miami guy. You've kind of embraced Miami, the community, the city, et cetera. So I need I need a favor for I need a favor. OK. Um, I had Aaron Feld on, who's the new strength coach for the football team. And t- typically I ask the questions, but he asked me a question. I failed miserably. I don't think I've gotten him the answer yet. So I'll, I'm hoping maybe you could help me out. OK. He wanted to know where he could get the best burrito in South Florida. Man, might you have an, bur- might you have an answer for that? Oh, burrito is tough. And asking me is uh, I have a very high standard because I spent 10 years in Dallas, Texas prior to coming here. And I will say there's a lot, like Gorby said, there's a lot I love here. Tex-Mex is not high on my list of <laughs> things that I love here or have found uh, good things here. Uh, there is a, a, a Mexican Tex-Mex restaurant on 8th Street called La Jacalito. I, I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, and that's the place that I would recommend for a local Mexican place. All right. So if Tex-Mex isn't your thing, what is your thing? Like what, what have you what have you said? You know, this this is what I I guess we're going culinary. So what, 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 what are some of your spots? So, yeah, I mean, Tex-Mex is one of my favorite types of food. Um, my next or right in line with that is probably barbecue. Uh, I love oh, to nice. I love to do it. I, I, I can't claim any any expertise in it, but I love to do it. But I, I really love to eat it. Uh, and there was a, a place called the Pink, the Pig Floyd. Yes. Yep. And they moved now into Dapple. And so they have, I think, the best barbecue in town. Uh, Havana Harry's. I, I mean, you can't go wrong with Havana Harry's. That's not only can you not go wrong. You definitely you have more than one meal, which is a guarantee <laughs> as well. Yes, for sure. For sure. All right. So we got that out of the way. You help me. One one to ease you into this. Um, now let's get into the good stuff. So you've been here nine it's nine years, correct? We, we just finished year yeah. nine and we yep. got three more coming. We got three more yep. coming. So That's congratulations right. on your extension. At, at so, least. At least. At least. <laughs> we hope we want more. So uh, when you got here, let's, let's rewind the clock. You got here. 
what was your plan for the program? What, like, where was the program? I know it's like a, this might take up the entire podcast, but yeah. um, what was your vision? You know, I guess I assume that it was, it was your first time being a head coach. Yep. Um, so what was your plan? What do you want to accomplish? What was your go- vision sort of for where you wanted to take the University of Miami, you know, swim team and sort of where are you? Man, coming in the door, first time head coach, we were going to win a national championship in the first five years. Uh, we didn't do that, but that, that is still the mission. And one of the, I, I, I'm not a mover. I've, I haven't moved around a lot in my life and I, I like being settled. And so as an assistant coach, as I was looking at head coaching opportunities, I really was looking for a place where I felt like I could develop a program to a national championship level. And I was not looking for a stepping stone type of situation where then I would parlay that into someplace where I thought I could win a national championship. And when I came on my interview and looked around and did the research, I just was constantly walking around going, why not? Why, why can't this happen here? And I 100% understand that that's, it's a lot to say. And it's a big mountain to climb. And there's a lot of great programs, a lot of great coaches out there to compete with in that. But I still, I don't know why not. And it's taken longer than I thought to figure it out. And uh, I'm I'm very proud that I I do feel like we're now on the right path. Do you impart that to your your athletes? Oh, for sure. Uh, It... uh, big part of that comes in talking to them about goal setting and telling them it's really important to have a goal that is scary to say and to say this on a podcast that's going going out there that is scary to say and that's what makes it special and you know so certainly share that with them they believe in it they're they want to be part of it they understand it's not happening next year it might not happen in the time that our current swimmers are here, swimmers and divers are here. But the important piece for me is that no matter when it happens, they feel part of it. What is, um, if you had to identify, okay, we're where we are today and trying to accomplish that goal. And if you're goal setting in terms of how we continue to move the program forward to accomplishing that goal, what would you say the next sort of um, set of goals are or things that need to happen to get you closer to accomplishing that? Yeah. The, the next thing, and this could happen next year is top 20 at NCAA championships. And we're knocking on the door there and then, you know, just continuing to climb that ladder. I think one of the, where we're at right now is building the reputation. I talked to the team a lot about, we have a responsibility and opportunity to define what the you means on a swim cap. And that's a special opportunity. That's a special privilege that we have. And the more that we define those lines of the you, the more that when someone sees a you on a swim cap at some random meet, that the more that scares them, the closer we are. And, you know, it's for me growing up in the 80s and the, the early 90s, you know, the you was defined on a football helmet. And it's just, I, I, I get goosebumps thinking about having the opportunity to define it on a swim cap. I was going to say, you might want to ask like Michael Irvin, if he wants to maybe throw on some, throw on, throw on a cap and jump in the pool. You, you definitely, they would definitely fear someone like that. A hundred percent. 
Um, so it's interesting you said that because um, getting ready for this, you, you had made that comment about the you the, and what it means to be on a on a cap or, or a swimsuit. So we know uh, the, the you has its its meaning and it means probably some different things to different people. So a, a couple of things in regards to that. So what does it mean to be at the you for for you? Like, what does the you mean to you as the head coach um, of a athletic team uh, in Miami? Yeah. It's, I mean, for me, it's home. It's, you know, when people ask me where I'm from now, it's Miami and uh, the U is something that's, that I'm extremely proud of and proud to wear. And uh, you know, I, I would say also just being, having the opportunity to represent the people who've come before us, the opportunity to help guide the people who are here now the opportunity to be part of the, the entire family that make up the U. Uh, I mean, just everything that comes with it to recruit people, to have that opportunity, to find those right people. It's, I mean, it's just such a special opportunity. And where, so if, when you are out, uh, whether it's swimming events, recruiting, et cetera, and you're wearing an outfit like you have on and there's a U or there's a U on the swim cap, have you noticed over your time here that, the U has become in your sport in swimming more recognizable, more, more of a draw, more interest, more entry. Like, has it, has it grown uh, the way you would want it to? And does it mean something more? And then I guess the second part to that is that mission of making it, you know, as recognizable as you want it internationally. Yeah. And I'll be real honest here. Uh, hopefully not too honest. The, the, environment that we have is very attracting and coming in i would say the reputation of our our program wasn't strong enough to uphold the the high level swimmers that might have been attracted only to the environment and so i think when i first came in and and we started getting some people that had done some, some pretty elite things during their high school career. I, I, I really believe that some of them were only coming because they, were, they wanted to be in the environment of Miami, but not do the work that it took to continue elevating their, their level of performance. Since then, since realizing that, we've connected with people who honestly have a chip on their shoulder and they, they, probably felt like they should have been recruited by programs that have more skin on the wall recently that have the higher reputation recently. And they wanted to come here regardless of the environment to help drive the program and build that reputation. Now, as the reputation is building, now we're getting a lot more interest from high level recruits who really want to do it, who also still have a chip on their shoulder. And it's one of the things that we look for is, is people to have that chip on their shoulder uh, with where we're at now. But it's uh, we re just within the last two years have gotten to a spot where I have coaches, college and uh, we call them club coaches coming up to me, commenting, hey, you guys are really on the move. It's great to see keep it up. I just at the last competition I was at had a very high level coach come up and say, coach, you guys have 
have gotten to a spot where now I'm recommending that my swimmers look at you uh, as they're looking at college. So I, that's, that's a lot of fun. That's exciting. So how many, how many swimmers do you take in on a yearly basis? <laughs> so I like to keep our team smaller. I think one of the things that's important is that our team kind of mirrors the feel of the university, the university, smaller private university, the classes are more intimate. So I do like to have a smaller team. I've always wanted to have a team of 24. And that honestly, that number has been hard to get to while we've been building the reputation. Next year, we're going to be at 24, 25. I was just working on this in the office. We're looking at a, a situation where the year after that, we might have 27, 28. And I, that's I have to figure that out. Um, now, a lot of teams have a lot of teams have 30, 35 women swimmers on the team. And I, personally, I just that's not the I don't get the personal connection when I have a team that size. Where So you, you mentioned recruiting in, in your sport. Rec, what is the pipeline for recruiting? You mentioned club. Is it is it a. a a club pipeline of recruiting? How do you go about scouring the nation internationally to how do those relationships start in terms of, you know, if it's only 24 to 28, you know, I don't, I don't know how many are coming in on a yearly basis, but how, how, walk, walk us through sort of how you go about um, uh, putting together sort of your, you know, we, we in football, they call it a board, but your, your list, right? You have a list and, and how those relationships even get um, initiated and how you even start to, um, define who you think is a good fit. Yeah. Uh, lots there, but, uh, yeah, sorry the, about that. <laughs> the, you know, that's right. From, from the, the recruiting board thing, honestly, I love the movie Moneyball and a lot of swimming recruiting is just cast a really wide net and hope that you're going to, you know, bring some people in and then eventually some of those people will swim fast. And, to me, it's just, you spend a lot of time, a lot of wasted time. And I'm not about that. And when I saw the movie Moneyball, I was like, you know, we can do this in swimming. And so kind of created a little bit of a recruiting board and, and really started looking at, okay, let's be methodical about this. It doesn't always work, but at least you have a plan to start with. And so that, that really drives a lot of what we do. Uh, it helps guide what swimmers, you know, that swim certain events that go certain times that are some from certain places that we're going to really target. And then there might be some one-offs or some, some special situations as the recruiting process goes along. Uh, it is a lot of, I mean, the, the club coaches, what we call the club coaches. So most, most swimmers do swim high school, but it, the sport is really driven by USA swimming, but, in, in the US. And so that's like club swimming. And so, you know, having the, the trust in those club coaches has so much impact on what schools the swimmers look at. And uh, so that's a huge piece of it. Honestly, getting them recently, getting them with our team, if we can get them with our team, people want to be here. So the, the people that we have on the team right now are, are very special people. And they've created a great team atmosphere, a great team culture. And so the people that we that we get here, they are really, really uh, attracted to it. So I've got like three follow ups and because one just hit me, which is 
Uh, I got to imagine somewhere you're pretty, well, you can tell me the emotion, but you've, you've had nine years where you were given, you know, you were given nine years and hopefully the three, where you get, you have nine, the three more, and hopefully more after that. But my point is that you've had time to build this. You were given time to build and, and obviously you're going to have more time to continue to build, right? Cause that, but you've been given the time to make this happen the way you want it. I imagine I was going to, the word I was going to use was gratitude, but you can use whatever word you want. Yeah. A hundred percent gratitude. And Jen Strawley is the one who brought me in and took a chance on me. And, and I, I owe her so much and do feel an obligation to live up the, to the trust that she in, instilled in me. Um, and you know, at one point when it, I would, my contract was up, this is a couple couple extensions ago. You know, I, I did point out to to them when you go to NCAA swimming championships, you look around the pool deck. I I mean, almost every coach there, or a, a good number of coaches there, you can say, you know, they didn't do very well in their first position or in that position, and now look, you know, they're regarded as one of the best. I want to do go through that process here. And I, I'm so gracious and uh, happy that they are giving me the opportunity to do that. And it, it hasn't come without, you know, some, some expectations and pressure and okay, coach, like here's another year, let's see some progress. And I'm happy that now we're, we're seeing that progress. So the other thing I was going to ask you when you mentioned to get potential future athletes, um, around your team, the team you currently have is, is really uh, um, fruitful uh, for what you're trying to accomplish. I was gonna say, and, and you mentioned this earlier too, about what, when you walked around campus, when you're interviewing for the job, why not Miami? I was gonna say, when you also get them around your pool, like that's like a centerpiece. It's the centerpiece of the campus. Uh -huh. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, it, it is a special place. It's a jewel. It's, uh, it, it's, but again, the hard, hard thing is making sure that people aren't coming just because of how beautiful it is and that they want to do all of the other things that they want to take on the, the huge responsibility of defining the you. How so that's an interesting thing. And this is, this is the million dollar question in sports life management, hiring, right? Like how do you, how have you found your best way to cut through that, to get down to the core of is why are they really, or why do they really want to be a part of our team? It's a lot of communication, a lot of conversations, a lot of, of, of gut feeling, honestly, and having done it now, having the opportunity again, to go, go back to your, your previous question to being, have being given the time to do it for nine years, get to figure it out, giving me a much better feel for, who is going to fit into this program, this university? Um, you know, I, I mentioned Jen Strawley, but our sports supervisor, Renee Miles Payne, she also, she's come in and has really empowered me and given me the confidence to trust my gut. She's the one who really came in and said, listen, these are the people that you took a chance on and they are the ones who are, who are performing. Keep doing that, keep trusting it. And that's, that's been a lot of fun. It's, it's also, we also sometimes will work with, with a company that does like an athlete character profile. 
And, and that helps a lot too. It gives us some insight. I, I really like to communicate with them first and then kind of use that as, as confirmation of what we're, we're getting to read for. It really comes to that, again, chip on the shoulder because they got to come into this program. Now, is that clear? Is the chip on the shoulder clear when you're talking to them? It, um, not always, but oftentimes, yes. And it's oftentimes, you know, you ask them, I might ask them, well, when you, when you dreamed about swimming in college, where did you see yourself? What schools did you see yourself going to? And, um, and then, you know, kind of through there, getting to that chip on the shoulder and, and, you know, you got to remember I'm, I'm recruiting 16, 17 year old women. And so it, it can be hard to, to get that out of them. But when, when they do open up and, and that shell does break down, it's, it's special. All right. Now, now the one, I'm not sure, I don't know what you will or won't reveal here uh, on the Moneyball sites. I actually found that uh, I read the book and actually Michael Lewis was just on a podcast uh, with Dan Levitard that I probably listened to in the last two weeks. So they talked about, I think it was with Dan Levitard. He was just on a podcast um, uh, and talked about the book and, and everything like that. So um, how have you, have you moneyballed? Have you actually, have you been able to moneyball swimming? And if so, is there anything you can share that doesn't give away some, some big secret? I mean, I think I probably do it more than, than a lot of, of staffs. Um, partly as a women's only program, we have a little bit of a smaller staff than a lot of swimming and diving programs are combined men and women. Uh, the NCAA gives them more, more staff. I could, we could do a whole podcast on my opinion about that, but, um, I think because of, because of our, you can come back, we'll do another one. I like (laughs) like doing podcasts and talking about stuff. So we'll, we'll have you on again. No problem. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, because of the smaller staff and wanting to maximize our time, our time with our current team and recruiting takes so much time. I, I, I really do try to be methodical and it's just, you know, like I, what I, when I said I was working on it earlier today, I'm looking at what our 2024 ACC championship lineup is going to look like what our 2024, 2023, 2024 dual meet lineup is going to look like. how much scholarship we have available, where we have holes, where we need people, what's going to help us relay wise. And then another thing that we do, we we do take the time to do this is, I mean, one of the nice things about our sport is 25 yards is 25 yards, you know, 50 meters is 50 meters, no matter where you are. And so we, we do take the time to go back and research the people who scored at ACC championships how fast were they as a sophomore in high school, as a junior in high school, as a senior in high school is becoming a little irrelevant now because we're recruiting earlier and earlier, which could be another podcast. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that all factors into, you know, let's not just get the, the shiny time of someone who went a time when they were 15 years old and hasn't seen the progression you know, like the money ball, let's not just get the home run hitter. Let's get the person who's going to get on base, who's going to eventually score the runs, et cetera. Um, is there, and, then, and we'll get off of the money ball. Are there data points you value? I don't, you know, in, in swimming, are there data, like in the money ball, like you just mentioned, are there are data points maybe you value more than other schools or as you shape your team, or is it based on sort of what you were just saying in terms of sort of what's available or who's, you know, what slots are available and what you need to fill? It's, 
I would say I lean more towards the latter, but we do, we have seen success in certain events. And so we, we tend a little bit more towards those events, put a little more strength on those events because we, you know, again, going back to the dynamic of a women's only program, we're probably not going to be able to just excel in every single event. So we want, we need to find our niche and put a little more weight on that. All right. So this would, this is going to tap into my naivete on, on swimming, but it could be, another, this could be a whole other podcast. We might, we might have five podcasts <laughs> off of this one podcast and you, and you might laugh a little more when I ask the question. So, um, the question was, how do you teach? But that, but let me, let me kind of add on to that, which is, you know, football, basketball, other sports, you know, you go to practice, you play games, you watch the film, you can show the, you can show your athletes. What, so my question, how do you, how do you teach, how do you coach your athletes? Is everything in the moment in the pool? Do you, do you use video and technology to, have meetings and, and show your, I was just curious how because it's a, a little bit of a different sport. So how do you go about teaching, educating, uh, improving, et cetera, with your team? Yeah. So our sport is a very physiological based, you know, from, from just a energy systems, all of those things. That's not how I came into the sport. I came in more, just loved it. Inquisitive. How can we do different things? let's have fun, more the artistic side. That's the side that it, that is still very natural and special to me, but I have forced myself to learn a lot more of the physiology to, to back up doing the fun stuff. So a lot of it is what we do in the pool and that's why we're always in the pool. That's why our sport has that reputation of, man, they are just always going. <laughs> and, and that's because it's such a, a physiologically based sport from an energy system standpoint. So a lot of it is what we do in the pool. Technique is huge. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a sport that's all about moving through a substance that we don't live in and being more efficient than the resistance that it's presenting to us. Uh, we're trying to use a substance that's moving with us to propel ourselves forward. There, there's a lot of little intricacies to it. And so technique plays a big role. We, we, I'm not happy to say, but we don't use video as much as I would like. It's actually one of the things that the outdoor pool presents a little bit more of a challenge because we can't just have video monitors out all over the pool deck. And uh, in an indoor pool, you do have that ability. And so there's a lot more like delayed feedback. Someone comes into the wall and they can see what they just did. So that's one of the things we need to figure out. But uh, I would say the other, the other secret piece, we had like a secret ingredient this year for our, our, our team, which was energy, love, and then one of our swimmers threw in and razzle dazzle. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it was, um, you know, it's, there's a lot that you can look at textbook wise but it's also a very grinding sport. It, it's, it can be a very draining sport. And so I really value just kind of the, the culture piece, the, the mental piece 
of it. And, and I do a lot in that regard too. So how much time is spent in the pool? <laughs> uh, well, no more than 20 hours a week. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, honestly, we, we do less than 20 hours a week actually in the pool. We, we have actually increased our work on land over the years. And, and I think it's been a huge benefit to us. But if, if they want to excel in the sport, they, they got to be ready to spend a lot, of, a lot of time doing it. So if you're teaching technique, are you teaching it while they're in the pool? And, uh, you know, yes. I mean, like are you, you're observing them swimming, you're coaching, you know, reconciling, you know, getting them yep. to, is that how that works? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just a lot of eyes and communication and demonstration and, uh, dem you know, it, it, that's another interesting piece is that I, I'm not getting in the pool. So I'm demonstrating on land what I want them to be doing in the pool. All right. So um, you went to school in Ohio, correct? Correct. Oh, you went to Ohio Bob. University. Ohio University. Bob, but yeah. you didn't swim or did that's you swim? Correct. I did not. So not, how did you in get college? In but you swam in high school. I swam growing up. Uh, I've been in the sport ever since I was five years old. Okay. So when did you know you wanted to be in it as a coach? Like when to, to make this a career? Yeah, I would say it's either my freshman or sophomore year in high school. Okay. So I, I've known for a long time. So when you got to Ohio, it was, you were charting a path to be a coach in this sport. Yeah, cool story. I, I went to Ohio University for my orientation. Uh, they did it different than, than the University of Miami. You, you got assigned like a two-day slot throughout the summer. So I went and said, you know, I'm going to go to the pool. I'm going to see if the coach is there. I'm going to ask if I can be a volunteer coach. And I went and I asked. I didn't know at the time. It's one of the scariest men I've ever, ever <laughs> known. Uh, but he said, okay, so you want to you wanna work with us a lot and get nothing for it. And I was like, yeah, I just want the experience. And he said, you know, we've been wanting to do this and we've never had anyone come to us. We would love to have you. And he took me under his wing. I was only under him. That was Scott Hammond. I was only under him for a year, but, and he was again, very, very intense, scary person, but he still took me under his wing, gave me some great experience, got my feet underneath me. And then he, he left, went to NC State after my freshman year. And then Greg Werner, who, I mean, he, he just gave me even more opportunities and eventually gave me the opportunity to like really design the program for the distance group under his, his guidance and really set me up, helped me get my assistant coaching job at, at SMU. And so I, ha I have a lot of people to thank for where I am today. So how did you, obviously you said you swam um, and you wanted to do this, but you're, you're, you're a student manager and you seemingly have a great deal of responsibility, uh, responsibility at Ohio. How did you learn? Like, how did you learn about how to teach whatever it was you were teaching at that age? How did you learn to be an expert in this sport? Yeah. I mean, so I had done it and I felt like I was a pretty knowledgeable swimmer. Uh, I had had some reason, some shoulder injuries and just things that, I, I knew that I wasn't in a position where I would be as successful as I wanted to be swimming in college. 
but still felt like a pretty knowledgeable swimmer. Uh, and then the experience that I gained just working with people and that led to more opportunities, more experience. Had the, I've had the opportunity to be around some of the, the greatest minds in our sport and some of the greatest swimmers in our sport and just trying to take everything in. And then, I mean, you just get impacted so much by the people that you work with. And that's one of the things I love the most about, about this job is, I mean, not only in swimming, but just in life, I've just, I've been impacted and had the opportunity to grow so much from them versus, you know, this can't, the amount that I've impacted people can't measure up to how much they've impacted me. Well, I'm going to talk about some of those, those bright minds, but, but two things, uh, Andy, which would be, um, you mentioned culture before that's really yep. value culture. What, what is the kind of culture you want to have at Miami and, and sort of how do you go about doing it? Cause that's always the big, every coach wants uh, probably every boss wants a good work culture, so to speak, or team culture, employee culture. What, what do you value in that? Uh, what kind of culture do you want? What have you, and what have you found to, to be the one that kind of is the ideal situation for your teams? Yeah. So a few different facets to it. We, I used to talk to them a lot about being a family and that's, I, then all of a sudden I was like, you know, that's so cliche. Like everybody says that, and that's not fair to what we have. So we've recently kind of redefined it as what does it mean to be a team? What does it mean to be a teammate? How special is that word teammate? And so we talked to them about that and, and really want that to be special. You know, it means that you take ownership in your teammates goals and you know their goals and you help them reach those goals you help the team reach its goals and that doesn't have to mean that you are best friends with everyone and i think that's a really important piece to our team culture is that we give them the space to be teammates when we're at the pool when we're in the locker room they respect each other no matter where they are they communicate really well with each other. We help guide them in that. And if they have a great workout together and leave the pool and say, hey, that was great. I'll see you again the next time we're here. That's great. If they're really close with each other and say, that was great. Now let's go get dinner. Let's go get coffee. That's great too. But we really try to give them the space to not have to be friends with everybody, but be tremendous teammates and really value what that means. Um, we also, a couple other things that are big on big for me with that is that it's not my program. It's not my team. This is our team. And the only way that works is if they take ownership of the responsibilities. And so I, that's easy to say, but in order for that to happen, I think the, the head coach, the boss, the leader has to give that ownership, has to be willing to give them the ownership, even at times when it's like, well, I, I'm not sure that's the best course to take. <laughs> it's the hardest part about coaching, right, is, yep. is, seed, is seeding the power. Right. Uh, and so I, I do like to do that. I think I've gotten, I, I know I've gotten better at it. It's certainly not perfect at it, but I know I've gotten better at it. That's not easy, by the way. That is not easy. It, but it's so special when it, when you see it happen. I'm sure. And 
that makes it easier. Um, and, you know, you can't give quite as much ownership to a freshman as you do to a senior, to a fifth year. And that's part of the process too. And, you know, I, I really value our leaders and our, our seniors, our fifth years, because they really show the freshmen how to take the ownership and it becomes a partnership. And when it's a partnership where both people have ownership, like that's just, that's when things get special. All right. You mentioned you've been around some really, really uh, intelligent, you know, powerful, you know, really just high level people in this sport. And I would imagine some of that's related to your times spent with the Olympic team, correct? Yes, indeed. So how'd that happen? That was, you know, all a little bit. Andy team manager at Ohio is now, you know, uh, yeah. you know, in, in London for the Olympics. I will uh, somewhat proudly say, and, uh, you know, I, I do pride myself on being fairly humble, but somewhat proudly say I, pers- I was persistent at pursuing the opportunity. And when I got the opportunity to do it at a lower level than the Olympics, I, I really valued it and I, I kicked butt at it. And that led to another opportunity, which led to another opportunity. The right people felt comfortable with me. And they gave me the opportunity to do it. So seriously, what is that experience like? That's got, so can you like Man. an American wins the gold is on the podium playing the national anthem that it's uh, it's almost there's no words. I don't know. I mean, what's that like? Yeah, I've got goosebumps <laughs> as you say. It, it's um, it's so special because it means so much to them. And it means a lot to them through, you know, how special it is to to be doing it with the American flag and also special because they've worked so hard for that, that moment, that accomplishment. And, you know, whether it's someone who's done it 20 something times or someone who's done it once, it's still every time it's so special. It is the Olympics is so grand and, and so meaningful and, and it's the, the, the showmanship of it. But I always think, man, someone had the discipline that someone had to train basically for four years for one moment. Yeah. Four years for a moment or, you know, a, a prelims yeah. into right. Like, have you had have do you guys have those conversations when you are as coaches? I mean, it's 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 really. There's not really a, there's no other sport like it. It's a scary, scary part about our sport. And I, I'm sure there are some sports that that'll are be very, our sixth podcast. That'll be the sixth podcast, by the way. <laughs> very Olympic driven. But yeah, it's not, you know, the NFL has a chance to, to win a championship every year. In swimming, the, the pinnacle of the sport, you only get a chance every four years. And if you if you miss that chance, if if you get sick, I mean it's just that's heartbreaking. All right. So how absurd is Michael Phelps? You, I, you, you, how absurd is he? I did. I was looking at 2012, 2016. What names came up? So you got to see Michael Phelps swim. I mean, how crazy? How absurd is he? Yeah, I mean, super talented, super driven, and does the work. Uh, you know, it's it's not. He he certainly has some. He's built physiologically very well, but it, it wasn't. Had he not done the work, that that wouldn't have been enough. So he's very, very special. And 
you know, I, it was interesting for me to kind of see him go through different moments in his career because 2012 was not a great year for him. And, uh, and to kind of see him go through that and go through that part of his career and then kind of be around him as he became a father. And then by the time we got to 2016, now he was a father to see how that impacted him. It, it was, I, I really value that. And how has the Olympics helped you at Miami? I imagine there's got to be some benefit or payoff, whether through you're benefiting you as a coach or just, you know, that you can talk to other swimmers about that, yeah. attracting future athletes. I mean, I assume it, there, there is definitely a, a payoff to you having that experience. Yeah, uh, you know, certainly the experience and being able to watch, okay, well, what does, what does Phelps do when he's training? What's different than what most people do, all of the Olympians? So some of it's that. Some of it was spending time around those coaches, seeing what they do with their, with their training, with their athletes, different ideas, things like that. A huge piece of it, though, like you referenced, is being able to pick up the phone, reach out to one of the other people who was on that staff, one of the other athletes. Um, that's huge. And then it's also, you know, it's nice to have stories come up when I'm with our team. And, you know, you can kind of see them like, wow, like this is like a behind the scenes story about Katie Ledecky or, you know, whoever. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot for this one. If we, if, if we whiff, we whiff, but like of your two Olympic experiences, was there uh, an event or a performance by a particular athlete where you were just like, I have no words. That was, I cannot believe I just witnessed this, uh, got to be a part of this, etc. Man, it's hard to single one out. Um, you know, being there for Phelps's last, last race. Well, I was there. For, I had that moment twice because supposedly that that happened in 2012, but then he came back 2016, but to be there for that, that was great to be there for Ledecky's kind of burst onto the scene in 2012. And then uh, again, uh, I mean, 2015 world championships, I was there and like, that was, uh, one of her best meets that was a lot of fun uh, but there were other you know smaller moments of people who for a lot of people those swims might be you know eventually they'll kind of fade away and get get forgotten but for those people that was such a special moment and and you could really really feel that you know when Maya Dorado uh, won the 200 back in in Rio like that was a, a surprise and and that was special uh, to see Simone Manuel win, uh, to see Dana Vollmer set a world record in London and win. There, there's a number of them. So speaking of records, our man Cam said, you guys had a pretty good year this year. You set a lot of records or, or, or at least put a lot of swimmers put themselves in some pretty good positions in the history of, uh, uh, of UM swimming this past year. Um, so who deserves recognition? Well, our, our top record setter uh, individually was Aino Otava. Uh, uh, she's been with us for three years from Finland. Our MVP of the year, we recently had our banquet and our MVP of the year was Adriana Sira. Uh, and she's from, from Raleigh, North Carolina. So Aino set two individual records. Our other three school records this year were in relays. So that's even, even more special. Um, and so, you know, that, that's made up of a few different people.
Um, does that stuff still get you jazzed up? Like when someone sets a record? Yes. The, the thing that drives me the most is if when someone touches the wall and you just, you see the emotion, just there's no way they can contain it. And do you and, know it instantaneously? Like, do you have it all cataloged? Like, do you know that just happened in the moment right then, right there? Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and this year was, I mean, the way we finished ACC championships this, this year was, I mean, it will be one of my most memorable races to have been around the whole time I'm in swimming. Uh, we end the end the conference championships with a relay, the four by 100 free relay. And I, we've been trying to pass Georgia Tech for a number of years. We've been right behind them. And it came down to, we were side by side with them in the relay and who, whichever relay touched first was going to finish ahead at ACC championships. And man, it was every single dot, swimmer dove in at the exact same time throughout the entire relay. Um, and, and we led off with a fifth year senior, Carmen San Nicholas. She was super special for us her whole career, but had her best year this past year. We anchored with a fifth-year senior, Sydney Knapp, who just improved so much in her time here. And one of the things that was really special about it, Sydney Knapp, at one point as I was coaching her, young in her career, she, we were watching video of, of Nathan Adrian at the Olympics, and the way he finished the race, she said, I want to finish my races like that. I said, okay, you got to do that then all the time, all the time in practice. You got to finish your race like that. And she, to her credit, she did. She finished so many practices, so many races like that. And so with one length left, both swimmers coming off the wall together. And with 15 meters left, they were tied. And it was so special as a coach to stand there and, and think, I know how this is going to end. And she did the finish. She touched the wall. It was a school record. It was her last swim. It was Carmen's last swim. Uh, we had a freshman and uh, the eligibility thing's gotten a little complicated here with the Yes, COVID. it has. Uh, right. Hard for me to. Sixth year junior, <laughs> yeah. fourth year redshirt sophomores. And, exactly. Yeah, so I don't know we, had, we, we had a freshman. I know she's a freshman. Adriana, who I referenced earlier, it's a little questionable of what to call her, but they were in the <laughs> Uh, and it, I mean, it just was such a special moment. And that's one of those moments where not only for, cause it was a relay, not only for the swimmer touching the wall, but for the sweet three swimmers standing right behind the block and for all of the swimmers standing on the side of the pool. Like that was one of those moments where that could drive me for another 10 years. Last thing. Um, so we met, we've referenced the, the three-year extension that Dan Radakovich uh, and you, you guys agreed to. What, was, what did it mean to you that, you know, that he has new on the job, you know, observing the work that everyone's doing, that he has the faith in you that I want you to continue to do this? That's super special because I have the faith in him. I, I mean, he's impressed me so much just in the short time here that, uh, I mean, he's intent on moving forward. and. Again, that doesn't come without pressure, doesn't come without expectations, but it also comes with support. And in you know, just a couple meetings with him, it, it's obvious that 
he wants to to know what we need to do to keep moving moving the needle forward and wants to help us do that he wants to help us however we need whether that's input insight facilities whatever it takes and so super special that he showed the faith but it wouldn't be special if you know there wasn't faith going the other way right 100 percent. what you said he's impressed you what what what, what hasn't stood out I, I mean he's just you just tell he's determined he's determined that that this the athletic department the university everything involved with it is going to keep progressing and keep moving forward and and keep being on the front edge and all of those things and as a as someone in competitive very high level competitive athletics that's that's really impressive i'll say last thing that's impressive andy is your team gpa if i have this right was a, was a three five seven yep it's a little lower than our our team goal actually low what was the team goal three six they they i've had to rein them in a little bit they they've set it at three seven she i would say that for one person, that's impressive. For yeah. 24, that's wild. Yeah. It, well, and I should, I, I want to make sure I give credit here. So swimming is, we're considered swimming and diving. So okay. a lot of our yeah. success also comes with the divers, and that includes the grade point average too. So it's it's really, you know, more Shout like out 20. to the divers. Shout out to the divers. 100%. But still, um, that for a collective group average, that's insane. They're amazing, amazing people. So they don't spend all their time in the pool. They do not swim. Some, and so, some time is spent in the library or, you know, in front of their books and getting ready. If, if we're doing it right, they are spending time studying, they're spending time swimming, and they're spending time doing neither of those two things. That's important too, right? Uh, very important. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with you. I think I'm going to go do I think I'm going to go do some of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds Andy, good. Andy, thanks. And uh, I'll probably take you up on your um, uh, on your offer to do uh, a collection. We'll do like a whole serial episodic uh, thoughts of Andy Kershaw on intercollegiate intercollegiate athletics. I have thoughts that no one cares about, but I'm happy to share them. Well, um, there might be a time we're in a pinch and I might just call you and say we need to talk. So okay. uh, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for telling your story. Thanks for coming on behind the you. Thanks for the advice for Coach Feld. I will pass that along, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again. That sounds great. I appreciate it. Miami-Dade County is partnering with you to help keep our community safe from COVID-19 now and in the future. Do your part by getting your booster, staying home if you're sick, and getting tested if you think you have symptoms. We'll keep doing our part to protect our children's education and ensure testing, vaccines, and boosters are available for all so that our entire community continues to thrive. It's our best plan. For more information, visit miamidade.gov coronavirus.